0: Fantastic. Well, you may be seated, kids. You are released to go to Harvest Kids. Uh, That is so much fun. I love that our kids are are hiding God's word in their heart and could share God's word uh, uh, through the reading of the scriptures by reciting the scriptures. Well, as Wes said today, we're going to be starting a new series, and uh, this morning when you walked in, you probably got a sheet of paper uh, that uh, we handed out. Uh, we're planning to give these out throughout the series so over the next four or five weeks, uh, hand these out. We're not planning on handing them out, just kind of indefinitely. Uh, but what we want to you give you some uh, you know, opportunity to take notes if you're someone who likes to take notes, uh, old school way like I do with pen and paper, uh, but also something you can take home with you that we hope that as you uh, engage with the text this morning, that you engage with the text when you go back home and then engage with your small group as you guys interact uh, about the truths from God's word. So that's what that is for. And this morning is a unique Sunday because we are going to be talking about our identity statement. And as Wes said, we're just kind of, it's kind of hanging out there. Uh, but we're going to get to that. But before we get to that, we want to open God's word and get to the foundation of, of why we believe anything as a church. Because uh, God's word is our foundation. So uh, we'll kind of have a two-part uh, kind of sermon or, or message this morning where we'll, we'll, we'll be in God's word for a bit and then we'll just take a, a pause and then we'll talk about the identity statement. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in your word, that we learn about Jesus in your word who went to the cross to save us from our sin, that we could have relationship with you. And I pray, God, as we open your word this morning, as we talk this morning, that we would step aside, uh, that we would be aware of you. So be in our midst. Teach us this morning. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, let's start with uh, the the text that has been shared with us. I'm just going to read both verses that we're going to be talking about this morning. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So every every statement of faith, every uh, doctrinal statement, every good systematic theology, all, all the good ones start with one thing. They start with the word of God. Chapter one is the Word of God. Now, why does it start there? Why is the Bible so important? Well, that's what we find here in this text. And where we find it is right out of the gate. So it says all Scripture. So when we see all Scripture, we're talking about uh, the, the completed canon, the 66 books of the Bible. I don't have time to get into all the particulars of why do we have these 66 books and how do we come to that. We can have a discussion about that you know, over, over time. But as scripture has revealed, Jesus saw the Old Testament as the inspired word, the God-breathed word of God. And certainly the apostles interacted about New Testament writings. Paul talked about his writings as being authoritative because he was an apostle. So the 66 books are the all-scripture but why is it important? And we find that in the next few words. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. These words we have because God spoke them. They're not just inspired words in the sense of, Someone's inspired to write a poem or inspired to write a song or inspired to start a business or inspired to, you know, do something around their house. No, these words are breathed out by God. Certainly, they were breathed out by God and they came through uh, the means of human agents who wrote them down for us or spoke them to us, but they they are breathed out by God. This is supported by 2 Peter 1, where Peter says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So So the Spirit of God speaking the words of God to men who wrote these things down for us, communicated them to us. And we know that God's word has power. We've been thinking, uh, we were singing about that already this morning. When God speaks, nothing turns into something. When God speaks, sometimes something can turn into nothing. He completely, you know, vanish something. He creates things. His word is the one thing that has absolute power and authority. It's his word that is sustaining the universe right now. Jesus sustaining the world universe by the word of his power. It's powerful. That's why this book is so important. They, this book comes with authority. So as a result, when we, when we engage with this book, we engage with it differently than we engage with any other text because these are, these are God's words. And when we engage with this book they not only have an effect on our minds, it certainly should have an effect on our minds, but it should have an effect on our souls. Because we encounter God when we encounter these words. We hear God's voice when we encounter these words. And as we encounter these words, we need to know these words are not about us. These words are about God and his dealings with his people. There's certainly truths that God shares with us, promises that we get from God. So, this, this book, this Bible, is important because these words are breathed out by God. So, then, what is the Bible for? And our text tells us what the Bible is for. The Bible is uh, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness. Now briefly, what is the Bible not? The Bible's not just a book of rules. Oftentimes, folks who aren't familiar with the scriptures, they just automatically assume well, this is just a rule book that a bunch of killjoys follow and it makes their life absolutely boring and legalistic. But that's just not true. And I found a a great quote. It's made aware of a great quote, actually in the Jesus Storybook Bible that we use in Harvest Kids to kind of shed some light on this reality. Uh, The quote is this. Now, some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Boy, such a profound statement, and it is true. The Bible is not about us. It's about God. It's the story of redemptive history. It's where we learn about Christ, and that's why it's it's profitable for these things. It's, it's, it's the foundation for who we are as a church. It inst- instructs us. It's where we learn that God discloses himself to us. He reveals himself to us. It's where we learn about God's character. It's where we learn about God's promises. It's where we learn that everyone is a lost sinner who needs a savior. It's where we learn about that savior who is our redeemer, who calls us to follow him. And you can follow him today. You can respond to the call of Christ today if you've never responded to Christ. And that we learn about that in the scriptures. God is revealing himself to us in his word. But it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And I know even as we read those words, it seems like, well, it seems like they're kind of saying the same word almost, like in different ways. But I think Pastor uh, Warren Wearsby summarizes these verses really well when he said this. He said, Scriptures are profitable. They are profitable for doctrine, so teaching, teaching what is right. And for reproof, what is not right, like identifying what's not right. For correction, how to get right. And for instruction in righteousness, how to to stay right. So just to unpack those words a bit, like teaching, the Bible teaches us about God. It teaches us how he created the world to work a certain way, what he deems is right. It opens our eyes to the reality of, of what the world should be and what the world has become. And we can understand that he opens our eyes as we see his word. That's why it's profitable for teaching and for right doctrine. And it's profitable for reproof, because reproof, what that means is exposing what is wrong. It's, it's meant to halt us in our tracks, like the, like the wrong way signs. You know, I may or may not have experienced seeing a wrong way sign going the wrong way down a runway, one-way street. I'm sure that's never happened to anyone. But that's why they put those signs up like you see them often on exit ramps, right? Often the, the, the on-ramp is on one side as you're going on the freeway, and then the off ramp's coming off, but they want to make sure you get in the right one, because if you get in the wrong one, everyone's coming your way, and there's a big red sign that says, wrong way. Like, don't go this way. That's what it means by reproof. Like, it's meant to highlight. No, go in the wrong direction. Halt us in our tracks. So rebuke us is, is to, so that we turn around, so that we realize, no, this is not the direction we should go. Let's turn around because we're headed in the wrong direction. So it includes refuting false teaching and refuting false worldviews that are out there. That's what rebuke or reproof means. And then for correction, and correction is like the, the redirection, redirecting us on the right path. Like what happened to us as we, we visited some family a couple of days ago, uh, we we're driving along, the GPS is telling us to go along the way and we're having a conversation and we're going and we, we pass where we're supposed to turn. GPS says, turn there, we pass it and of course, of course there's like, that's the only time when 20 cars are behind you and you can't easily turn around in a country road and so does the GPS in that moment go, you're an idiot, I can't believe that you just missed your turn. Now, it feels some like, sometimes like your GPS is doing that, but it doesn't actually say that. But it's like, you know, our GPS goes, oh, well, redirecting, redirecting around. You're in a mile, turn left. We got to see more cornfields in northern Indiana than we ever imagined, but it redirected us. And we got back to where we were going. That's what correction is to be. Because we often hear correction and we kind of, we, for some reason, we picture like a ruler being smacked across our knuckles numerous times. That's how we kind of view correction. But correction is, is meant to be a, a loving thing. And unfortunately, we've experienced correction in a harsh way when correction is meant to be just, no, a redirection uh, back to the, the, the course in which we should be on. I mean, that's what Scripture does it halts us, but it's meant to be loving, redirection. And then training. It now equips us on the narrow path for a purpose. And even though Paul's speaking these words to, to Timothy as he talked to the Ephesians, there's just kind of fleshes this out a little bit. In Ephesians 4, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip to prepare us. Because it's, it's challenging. The storms of life come. If you aren't experiencing them now, you will experience them. And it's meant to equip us for those storms, equip us for the lies that are going to come our way. And we, that's why we want to remind ourselves of the truths in God's Word continually, because we can forget so the Bible is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we've seen the why the Bible is important, because these are God's words. And we have seen what the Bible is for, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And I want to answer a question that, that often comes into people's minds whenever I talk about engaging with the Bible. How can I overcome my struggle with engaging with the Bible? How can I overcome this struggle? Because I have a hard time understanding this sometimes. I, it, sometimes it feels boring to me. A, a, sometimes I can't relate to it. Now, we don't have time to get into every little nook and cranny p- particular, but I want you to understand that, that the Bible is... God's means of grace to have intimacy with you. Our God has revealed himself to us. He's not high and lofty somewhere for us never to find and search all of our lives in hopes that we will discover him. No, he has revealed himself. He's been revealing himself to his people throughout redemptive history. He's revealed himself to us in his Son. And he's given us his revealed word. And, and he's given us his word so that, so that his excellencies might be proclaimed and so that we would have a means of, of interacting with him. Certainly we interact with him in prayer, but the Bible is where God reveals himself to us and how he relates to us. And it doesn't mean he doesn't relate to us in other ways, in subjective ways as we pray and as we interact with his creation, as we interact with his people. But he interacts with us through his word. And so our interaction with this book is really intended for us to feel like relationship with God. Yes, there's times we will study it and try to understand words and things like that, but it's not, it's supposed to be less like we're studying for a test so that we can get the right word right when we go into church and we go into kids ministry. No, it's meant to be bearing fruit of, of our relationship with God because he wants to interact with you and we see the fruit of the interaction with God's word and how it provokes delight rather than duty when we read Psalm 119. I think just sitting down with Psalm 119 would be a great devotion this week. And I'd encourage you not to read it from start to finish in one sitting. Though though do it, don't ever hear me say like don't don't read the Bible. So read it from start to it's long. But just take some nuggets. Take four verses or eight verses and read them because in there we just get this beautiful picture of the interaction with God's word as something that is delightful and and it's something that's anticipated. And I just want to read five passages from Psalm 119. So here's the psalmist interacting with God's word. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So the psalmist has obviously experienced something wonderful when he has encountered God's word, and he's asking God that he could experience more of that. Verse twenty: My soul is consumed with longing for all your rules at all times. My children have never said that to me. Yeah, never. We all believe they should, but they never have. But something has happened with the psalmist as he's engaged with God's word. That it's, it's sweeter than honey. It's something that he wants to encounter because of he has encountered and he longs for it. He's tasted and seen that God's good. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. He has found wise counsel in God's word because as he's carried out and walked out his life, he's seen the wisdom and it's bearing fruit in his life. And so he wants to interact with God's word. Thirty Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. In interacting with God's word, he's, he's lifted his gaze up. And so he's consumed with who God is. He's loving God. And it takes his eyes off himself and he becomes less selfish because he's he's got a picture of God. And then Psalm, and and then verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He's seen God's word prove time and again that it lights the path right in front of him. Now we'd love for God to light the path. Like I want years down the road. Lord, you know, and not there high beams on this thing? Like flip them on. I want to see more. Well, here's the reality. If we saw more, sometimes we wouldn't get, we wouldn't go. But God's, God's there. God's already there. And he lights our path and helps us to take the steps that we have the grace to take. And so God, God is revealing himself to us. God is revealing himself to you. And, and he wants to have relationship with you. Remember, saints of old gave their lives so that we could have the scriptures in our language. Because they had the conviction that it shouldn't just be a few people who knew Latin that could interpret and, and share the scriptures. You know, William Tyndale and others, they gave their lives because they knew these were God's words and that God's people needed to interact with God, and if they could have it in their language. So I'm so grateful for translators through the ages and those who are still seeking to make translations for languages that where the Bible's not yet complete. The dean of the pastor's college I went to, Jeff Perswell, said this about the scriptures. He said, the Bible is to reveal God, bind us to God, and to make us like God. Pray when you come to God's word. Ask God to open your eyes and reveal himself. He will answer. It may not be dramatic or a goosebump experience, but expect God to reveal himself. Devotion over time to God's word will produce affection for God. He can give himself to you because he gave himself for you. He gave himself for you in Christ. And the primary way we walk with Jesus and for Jesus is through his word. Now, again, those, that statement is from a man. Those aren't divinely inspired words, but they're just as encouraging words to help us to engage with God's Word. So as I close this part of our time this morning, because we have some other things to talk about, I just want us to be reminded of what James 4.8 says. He says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. In, in encouraging you to take some steps with God's word, I'm not trying to create, a, like, if we do these things, God will love me more but I do want to give you three steps that you could take. Maybe you just take one of them. You don't have to take all three of them, but just to, to engage, because I know there's some here that probably aren't engaging with God's Word, or you never have, or you didn't think you could. But here's just three steps that you could take. Uh, examine, memorize, and share. So when I say examine, that's reading God's word, that's listening to God's word. We have resources like the YouVersion Bible app where you can listen to God's word, be read to you. Uh, it, certainly, and as you engage with God's word, if you're listening to it, engage with it. Don't just have it be like the thing you're playing, like a, any old podcast that's out there. Like, let's engage with God's word. Memorize, like that's rehearsing God's word. Something you could do by just reading verse 16. Read it 10 times every day in the coming week. There's not gonna be a test as you walk in the door where you can't come in if you can't recite verse 16. But you'll be amazed at what God will teach you and what you can remember just by rehearsing it. It takes like five minutes to probably rehearse that verse 10 times. You know, this is not a game of like, hey, say it 10 times fast. That's not the point. So examine it, memorize it, and then share, talk about it with somebody. Text with someone in your small group as you engage with God's word or engage with them in small group. Share what you've learned. Don't think that, oh, you have to be like the super amazing theologian. I need to come and go, 'I, I have discovered these amazing truths that no one has ever discovered in the word of God before. No, just come and go, did you guys know what this says? This really ministered to me. When you share that, other folks are going to be encouraged by how you are encouraged. So let's Share God's Word. And sometimes when you engage with God's Word, the Lord provokes you to share that truth with someone who really needs it. So just the three simple steps. Examine, memorize, share. God will speak because He has spoken, and He wants to speak to you. And as we've come to this text this morning, it is the foundation for what we believe and who we are as a church Without the scriptures, we just have just some words that someone's come up with. So the foundation for knowing our identity is God's word. And we've, on the back of the sheet that we gave you, there's some application questions. So as you engage with God's word, you know, maybe answer those questions. If that's something, you're like, I don't know how to engage, engage with God's words. So well, just read it and, and then write the answer to the questions and then go to your small group and talk about it. So just something simple. We're going to just give you a tool, not something that's binding. That's not a test, uh, just a tool. So the foundation is God's word. Now we want to talk about our identity. So let's just, every, I just want to make sure everybody's still, still with me it's because I've got to talk some more and we're going to kind of, kind of shift. So I'm just going to take a moment and just, just ask you to stand up where you're at. We're not going to go anywhere. Uh, we're not learning the motions to the to the Bible verse. I wish, I wish I knew what they were, but I, but I don't. But just, just so that you can just stretch a little bit, you know, as we just take, you, you know, just don't hit anybody as you're stretching. You know, we're just gonna transition. Uh, we're not getting up, moving around, uh, but we do that, and, and you can go have, have a seat when you're done stretching. So hopefully no one's gonna be stretching for the next 20 minutes. But just to, to give us, you know, kind of transition from as we've opened you know, the word, I, I want to talk and kind of have a little family meeting, uh, or actually a big family meeting, because there's quite a few of us here. So we want to talk about, as I, I want to share about our uh, identity statement that we've kind of come up with. I want to share the statement with you. I want to share some background of how, how, we, how do we come to, to coming up with one? Why would we come up with one? How do we get here? Unpack it. Like, what's informed the truths that are, are in the statement, and then talk about like, where, where we're going with it. How does it inform us as we do ministry in our church? So here's the statement. And some of you are like, this is not a secret. I looked at the website this morning. It's right there on the front page. So I don't know what the big secret is. It's we are a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. We're a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. So what's the background behind that statement. Well, just uh, another thing about this Sunday that you may or may not know, I mean, six years ago today, we launched as a church. Uh, So that's just an interesting, you know, detail. And we launched in the YMCA. And then two years, we we launched as a campus of Gospel City in Granger. And then we uh, became an autonomous church four years ago. Then, then, Three years ago, we adopted uh, Lakeshore Baptist Church, which owned this building and property, and they generously gave it to us. And some of them became members of our church that we love dearly, and uh, we're just we're grateful for that. And then six months later, this thing called COVID happened, and you know, disrupt life just a snudge uh, for some of us. And you know, certainly that was challenging. And in the midst of that, there was political unrest, social unrest. Uh, Certainly, opinions have not been lacking, let's say, right, in the milieu of life. But in that, idols have been revealed for folks. Hearts have been exposed. Priorities have been reoriented. Some for the better, some for the worse. And in, in light of all that we've experienced in the last six years it just seemed good to the lord and good to us as elders as we prayed we just want to bring clarity and i realize as we've talked about this that i have not always brought the clarity i think that would be helpful for us as a church about where we're going and just revisiting who is it that we are you know we've had just navigate a lot of stuff but i just need to own that and the elders and others have just helpful to me to say yeah, we just need to be clear so as we prayed uh, we have. Saw, we want to be clear that we are a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. Like this statement points us to Christ. It points us to who we've been, you know, who, who we were before Christ and reminds us that, that God pursued us. And it, it points us to where I am now. Like I'm in a family that God has, that's his family. And it, it points us to to directing to God and to good works that we do uh, for God, because we, we've been loved, we want to love others. Now I want to be clear, we are not changing our doctrinal statement. Go out to the website. It's the same that it was last week. We're not changing our doctrinal statement. Are we still on mission to make disciples? Yes, Jesus commanded that. We are still want to make disciples. And I think in this statement, we, we, it communicates those truths. You know, we, we believe in the authority of God's word. I wouldn't have just spent a number of minutes at talking about God's word, because God's word is our foundation. But as we came to this statement, we didn't just want to come up with a statement that would look cool on a, on a bumper sticker or on the back of a T-shirt we're burdened to have a statement that gives, to gives clarity, gives clarity as we transition from being a a church plant to being an established church. Now, some of you have never been a part of Harvest prior to being in this building. So when you walk in the building, we certainly feel like we've been an established church. I mean, look around. Like, this was not built in the last three years, right? Uh, it's really cool, love the wood ceilings, but it, it sure feels like we have been around for 50 some odd years, but we've been around for six. And I don't know if you've been in Harvest Kids in a while, the kids who are six look a lot different than, than the kids out here that are 50, right? So we're six, and, but we wanna grow. We wanna grow in the Lord, and so we wanna give clarity to that. So I just wanna take a few moments to un, unpack this statement. How did we get there? What, what are, what's the truth? that informs the words in a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. Now understand, as I unpack it, I don't have time, you know, this morning to, uh, to quote in detail every single Bible verse that we've come to. We're going to put those on the website, and, and I'll reference some of them, but I'm not, I'm not referencing them in passing to be light. I just know that um, some of you might be hungry and 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 you, you're going to lose me a, a bit. So just that's, that's the only reason why, because God's word is clearly important to us, right? Uh, but, and it informs us. So what do we mean by a redeemed family who loves God and loves others? Redeemed. What we mean by redeemed is we have been rescued out of darkness. Our debt to God was paid, and we have been made alive by faith in Christ through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You find that in Second Corinthians 5, Ephesians 1, 2, John 3, Romans 6, 1 Peter 2. Like, there's places to go. But the word redeemed speaks to a number of things. There's the definition of it, and we'll talk through that next week as, as I preach about being redeemed in 2 Corinthians 5. But it speaks to... The fact that Jesus saved me from my sins, it speaks to all of Jesus' life. You may have heard the phrase, the finished work of Christ. And some people hear that, and that sounds great, but what does that mean? That means that all of Jesus' life mattered. All of Jesus' life mattered. He needed to live a perfect life so that he could be our substitute. He needed to go to the cross because we needed a substitute. And our, our sins needed to be forgiven, And his resurrection, we need to know that he was raised, that he sealed the deal, and that he's coming back again. We need to know those things. So redeemed points us to all of those things. So when we say we've been redeemed, we mean we have been rescued out of darkness, our debt to God was paid, and we've been made alive by faith in Christ through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, uh, we're not asking you to memorize this so that when you come next week, you're gonna have all these summary statements like, no, like, These are truths we're gonna open God's word with and revisit. The point is, again, not for you to remember words that we have come up with to be helpful reminders, but they're to be helpful reminders to take you back to this word, okay? So we're a redeemed family. So as a redeemed family, family we mean we are adopted children of God, having a place to belong with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ephesians 4, Romans 12, Galatians 3, 1 Peter 2, that's the passage we're gonna preach out of in this series. In fact, you're also gonna hear from other elders as we go through this series, not just me. Other elders are gonna be preaching uh, uh, you know, from the text as we interact about this. And so family, oftentimes we think about family, we think about like mom, dad, and two and a half kids or the crazy cousins, right? Or the family gatherings. But when we say family, we want, we want something to come to your minds that is about the family of God. There's a place that we have been purchased to be a part of, placed in God's family. Certainly, it does speak to community and our interconnectedness and one anotherness, but it primarily speaks to the fact that God's placed us somewhere that we didn't belong. We were, we were vagrants, va- vagrants and vagabonds. If you ever watched the movie or read the book, Oliver Twist, right? Like, Bunch of kids running around the streets, probably haven't taken a shower in a long time, picking everybody's pockets, uh, not the epitome of character. That was all of us. And God took all of those, and he saved them, and he put them in his family. And so that doesn't mean there's challenges, right? Because, you know, when you're adopted, and you come from different places, have different customs, cultures, like, you know, you gotta work through things. But he's placed us somewhere. We are a family of adopted people. And as so as we say family, we mean as a redeemed people, we are adopted children of God, having a place to belong with our brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, halfway through the statement. You guys you guys, okay? No one's, gla- no one's got their eyes glazed over? Of course, if you do, your eyes are glazed over and you're probably not hearing me anyway. But just... Checking. I know we're covering a lot of information, but this is meant for just to kind of give the overview, and then we're going to teach through scriptures, open the Word, over the next four or five weeks. And then we're going to jump into a series in Ephesians where, where these truths just come flying off the page that just speak to our identity and the, the glory and the wonder of the gospel. So, a redeemed family who loves God. There's a summary statement. As a redeemed family, we delight in and devote ourselves to God. Mark 2, Deuteronomy 6, John 15, Isaiah 6. The word loves God speaks to a relationship with God. It speaks to worship. It speaks to holiness. It speaks to thankfulness. It speaks to abiding in Christ. It speaks to humility but we, we don't want loving God to just be a to-do item. Oftentimes, I think even me as an early Christian, I read, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That translated to, uh, do my Bible reading plan, memorize one Bible verse a week, and go to church on Sundays. That's what it meant. But it's about relationship with God so that we would delight in him. There's, there's a reason that and the Westminster Catechism starts with this statement. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's not man's chief end is to live a boring life. No, to enjoy God because we're going to be enjoying him forever. Heaven is awesome because we get to be in God's presence. And God gives us the opportunity because of what Christ has done to enjoy that presence right here, right now. So when we say love God, we mean as a redeemed family, we delight in and devote ourselves to God. And then lastly, love others. As a redeemed family that loves God, we serve others and share the hope that is within us through the Father's abundant love, Mark 1231, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Luke 10, 25 to 37, uh, 1 Peter 3, 15. So the words love others, they they speak to uh, they speak to compassion for others. They speak to care for others. They speak to mercy ministry. They speak to the one-anothers. It speaks to making disciples. It speaks to the Great Commission. It speaks to evangelism. Loving others is the outflow. And oftentimes that's the place where we start. We need to start here. This is what we need to do as a church. We need to go love people. But we want to make sure that we have the foundation of what Christ has done, where he has placed us, and delighting ourselves in God. When when you have those things happening, like you're like, I gotta, I gotta share this with other people. I've, I've experienced love, and I want to love other people. Be, we love because He's first loved us. So when we say love others, we mean, as a redeemed family that loves God, we serves other, we serve others, and share the hope that is within us through the Father's abundant love. Like that's that's key. Like we're starting with Jesus and in redeemed. And loving others still has the accent because God's loved us first. Now, all right, that's a lot of details. And it's just, you're just like, I think I wrote some of this down here and I, and I might have the energy to read it on the website. But we didn't share that to overwhelm you. We just wanna bring clarity to who we are and where we're going. We wanna see a culture built we don't want a just doctrinal statement to be on the wall or on the, on the website, uh, because uh, Pastor Ray Ortland made this statement uh, recently. He said a church can unsay by its culture what it says by its doctrine, and not even realize it. Like we, can, we can say the right things. People can find us on the website and go, yeah, I, I think I can believe what they believe because I see it right here. Yeah, I believe those scriptures. I believe those things. But we don't want to unsay by what we, what we do with our actions. We don't want to do that. We want, it to, we want God's word to change us. And the truth is found in this identity statement. So even as we have the identity statement, again, it's not meant for the t-shirt or the website The truths in the statement are are meant to deliver in everyday life. We, We want everyone in our church to become familiar with and delight in the Redeemer, who's the heart behind redeem. When you are struggling, the place to go is the one who said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you're familiar with being redeemed, you're familiar with the Redeemer, and that's going to point you in the place where there's need. When you feel like you're lonely, no one understands you. No one gets you. I don't know if I have a place in this world, and, you know, I've, I've been thinking horrible thoughts, and there's a pistol in my drawer. You have been placed into a family not because of anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. God has value for you because he's placed you in his family. So family delivers more than just at the pot luck. It delivers because of God's intentionality and his adoption of you. When you, when you feel dry in life or even even when your horizontal relationships, your friendships, marriage, whatever, there's conflict there. Oftentimes when I'm counseling people and they're, they're struggling in relationships or they're struggling with something in their life, I, I want to go to the place of, hey, have you been engaging with the Lord? Have you been looking vertically? Have you been, have you been delighting yourself in God? Have you been like the psalmist in Psalm 119 looking upward at him? Because it sure looks like you're spending a lot of your time horizontally and how it how loving god delivers in everyday life and then then maybe lastly like we can feel like we don't we don't have purpose what's the direction the lord wants me to go what do, what am i supposed to do Those aren't just questions that high school kids ask as they enter into the next season of life, looking for a job or college. I feel like as folks get into their 30s and then they get into their 40s and 50s, even in their 70s, 80s, they're still asking the question, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And certainly there's practical things as you consider how you're skilled and the the things that you give your time to that are helpful. But he loved us so that we would love others. We have been given purpose. We've been given a mission to to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we have received it. We've been given the opportunity to minister like the good Samaritan who ministered to someone who was broken and hurting and gave of himself. And there are practical ways for us to do that. So I hope you to see that as we have spent hours praying, with our Bibles open, we've, God's word has spoken to us. We want to be intentional to lead forward so that we can be a, a faith family that knows they're a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. So how do we see that working out? Just practically. What are some practical things that we see Working out well. One practical thing is we're gonna we're gonna preach. We're gonna open these texts that have informed us, and we're gonna open God's word because it's the foundation for these things. These aren't clever ideas that we've come up with. As we even talked about the words, you know, we, okay, this this is where this is where God. What's God spoken? We want to respond to that. So we're going to open up his word over the next four to five weeks. And as I said, we're going to open up the book of Ephesians because that's just, it's been there. Like for us, like these words were just like, we've already seen them come out of scripture. We're just going to put them together. So that's one, one thing we're going to do. We're going to have discussion in small groups. So we've got this. As you hand out, it's intention, yeah, to take notes, but for you to engage. We want you to engage with these truths. So even after this series is done, we're working to put together a devotional for you to take home with you and engage with God. You engage with God. Not just come and hear us teach the Word of God. We want you to engage with the Lord and then engage with others about how you've engaged. Now, don't think it's not, it's not going to be designed to be a, a two-hour daily study that you must come to and you're going to have to learn a little Greek. No, it's 10 to 15 minutes a day, maybe five days a week. Just just for us to, to take steps as we grow in our walk with Jesus. We're going to have monthly prayer times where we can pray about these things, where we can pray for one another. We're going to do that on Tuesday night where we're going to gather here to pray and have these scriptures in view. We want to create some context where we can have relationship with one another. Kind of like we had the church picnic. That wasn't just about the food. Though I know there was some great food there. There was something unique happening there. There was something that was happening in family that was rooted in something more than just we like the people we're with. We've, We've been placed here. When we're all on the front lawn and when we sit here on Sunday mornings, I'm like, this is amazing. These people should not be in the same room. I know for a fact, if you knew me before I knew Jesus, you would not want to be in the same room with me. I just know you wouldn't. But God's placed us there. And so we want to create some context where we can do that. I, I think Wes has a vision for, like, the winter wonderland. He wants, like, church picnic winter version. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen outside, you know. But we'll see. But, yeah, we want to be intentional to do that, where we can create context for relationship. And then we, we want to engage with the community. And we don't have a clear, clear like, okay, we're going to do these four things, and this is how we're going to engage with the community. Some of you are already engaging with the community. And so maybe fueling some of those things. But we're going to do... Like, we're going to do a, a blood drive here. Not because someone said, hey, we want to do a blood drive. No, like the Red Cross called us and said, uh, we can't do our blood drive at the, at the grocery store down the street because our blood mobile is broken. Could, could we use your building? We don't need anyone. Any people we will bring all the volunteers. We just need to use your building. Like, do you think we could serve the community by unlocking the door? Yep, I think we could do that. I mean, that's just a small thing because there are so many other things and some of you have had burdens. So like these things that we're talking about, the truths from scripture that inform our identity statement are, are we, we want to see a culture built, strengthened here because I see some of these things here already. It's not like they're absent. We want to strengthen them and we want to know this is, this is who we are and as we go forward and it helps us to evaluate ministry because like, we can't do everything we can't. We're, not, we're a small church. We can't do everything, but we can do some things. And we want to do them with intentionality as a redeemed family who loves God and loves others. And I'm really excited to walk with you in this journey of faith, this mission that God has called us on because of what Christ has done. So that's everything. Take a deep breath. Why don't we pray? Father, Father, we've covered a lot of material this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as we leave here, we would be most aware of what you have done. That we would be most aware of your pursuing us. We would be most aware that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. And Lord, would we be would we be a host of Bereans who, who open our Bibles and see that these things are so? Lord, as we have come to this place, as we feel like you're leading us forward as a church to bring clarity to who we are and to build a, a culture that brings glory to your name, Lord, would we search the scriptures? and? Would we savor the truths from your word? Would we delight in it because we know you're speaking to us and guiding us and directing us? So we ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.